Uh, this morning, Pastor Chris is out of town. He's doing a wedding, and so Gary Abraham is going to bring the word. Gary, brother, come on up. Oh, you got a fan base here. Yeah, yeah, I see, I see. Good morning, everybody. Uh, I'm going to introduce myself again. I'm Gary, just a member of this church. Been coming here for 20, almost 21 years now. And occasionally, on, on an occasion when Pastor Scott, the executive pastor, as he just announced, and Pastor Chris, who is the lead teaching pastor, when they see fit, they say, Gary, if you got something, you know, you can share with the, uh, with the congregation. So I'm always honored to have this opportunity. Uh, most of my messages are really for me as I prepare. I kind of evaluate my own life. And hopefully there's something, you know, in my preparation that I've learned throughout the years that I've experienced. Hopefully there's something there that will speak to you. So before we get started, uh, I want to share a little incident that happened uh, a couple of months ago in my life, which is actually the uh, genesis of this entire message. Uh, I'm a soccer referee, do high school games, club games, you know, all across the Atlanta metro area. And as I was coming home uh, after a game one night, uh, I'm at a light, traffic light, about to make a left-hand turn. It's two two lanes that are making a left-hand turn. And um, our light is red. And as we sit there, just waiting for the light to turn green, uh, you know, just a bunch of things going through my mind. I'm evaluating the game. How did I do? You know, what could I have done better? Light turns green. Car behind me pumps the horn. Boom. And I start pulling in, you know, to make my left turn. And just in that time, the car to my left, because it was two turns, uh, two lanes turning, the car to my left starts going. And within two seconds, we both hit the brakes because a truck was coming straight in a rush to get somewhere, about 60 miles an hour, and just went, you know, ran the light, you know, and we literally just missed it, both of us, boom, you know, and... It's like, wow, what just happened? And so, because I'm a Christian guy, you know, I said, oh, God bless you. No, I didn't, okay? Uh, I, out of, you know, I became out of character. I've heard Pastor Scott and everybody talk about road rage. It's never really affected me. I'm very calm on the road. But I said some words that I'm not going to say in church, you know, like, what is, you know, basically, what is wrong with you? You know, you, friend of mine, okay? Um, so make the left turn, heart's racing. And in that time, my, my whole life, I mean, honestly, flashed before my eyes. And my immediate thought after, you know, saying a few words and thoughts to that guy, and I was by myself, was, wow, that was, you know, this could have been it. I mean, literally, this could have been it. And so I pull up to the next light, and the lady who was, you know, to my left wound her window down, and I wound mine down. She said, did, did you see that? He almost got me. I was like, well, he almost got me too. He said, well, she would have gotten me first because I was in the other lane. And I said, I know. Well, anyway, <laughs> going on home, an interesting thing happened. Um, instead of thinking about, I mean, I thought about Chupin and the kids and my family and you know, my mind just went in all directions about what would have happened as if, you know, if I was dead, how, what would have transpired and all of this. And interesting thing happened. Something came over me that said, like, wow, I wonder where that guy was going. And I became very compassionate to his plight, not knowing where he was going, why he was in a rush. 
I just focused on all the negative and, you know, and I, I literally prayed before I got home and said, you know, God, forgive me for my reaction. I, um, you know, and I started praying for the guy, whoever it was, you know, driving that truck. So that incident got me to thinking that if it was indeed my last day and if God had indeed called me home that day, you know, how would I evaluate my life to this point in terms of impacting others' lives um, for the kingdom of God? In other words, has my life represented the Jesus that I claim to serve? And, you know, what areas of my life do I need to better represent Jesus in my daily, in my daily living? So if you're like me and you do any kind of self-evaluation along those lines, that produces a lot of positive, you know, results. Like, yeah, I do this well and I represent Jesus well in this area. But it also produces a lot of negative results, if we're, if we're honest. Um, but I don't want to look at this as a pass-fail lest we think that, you know, oh, I do enough so I'm good and I'm covered. You know, I've arrived. Uh, I have nothing else to work on. Uh, in other words, you, you know, pass this evaluation test or even so, even if you fail it and thinking that, you know, you're doomed for life, you know, there's no hope for you. I don't want to look at it in those terms. I'd rather look at it on a progressive scale where no matter where you land in your self-evaluation process, um, that you know that there's room to better represent and serve and live for Jesus. And because Jesus gave it all for us. He didn't hold anything back. He gave his very life so that we could be reconciled back onto him. And so I believe as Christians, it's our duty and an honor to be able to represent him as best we can. And of course, we're not going to be perfect as Jesus was. But wherever we're not, we're going to strive in our daily living, you know, to become what Jesus has called us to be. So in that light, I want to look at three events in the life of Jesus on his way to the cross where we, that's me and you, um, where we may or may not relate to how Peter, a follower of Jesus, how, how Peter interacted with God and how he had his little moments with God. And, and so in my book, I call these Peter moments the Peter moments of life and or more specifically, the Peter moments of daily living. So we'll look at when Jesus predicts his death and how Peter was involved in that, how when Jesus predicts uh, Peter's denial and when Jesus was arrested and on, on trial and how, how Peter interacted with Jesus and what his mindset was throughout that time. And so hopefully, as we examine what Peter did and how he interacted with Jesus, we can relate to, to what Peter was and how he acted and along the same lines, kind of look at ourselves and see how we would fare in similar moments. So we'll get into the word here in a minute. And before I start the message, let's just uh, have a word of prayer. But Father God, I just pray that everyone within the sound of my voice, Father, that their hearts would be open, that their ears and their minds would be open, Father, to receive the words that you're speaking through me this morning. Lord, we just long to serve you, to live for you on a daily basis. And Lord, just help remind us that when we fall short, Father, it's not the end. That we just come to you, Father, pray for forgiveness, pick ourselves back up, and keep uh, walking towards living a life that is fully surrendered to you. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. So the focus scripture for today, and I have a slide up uh, 
that uh, I think the back will put up there is Luke chapter 9, verses 18 through 25. And I'm going to read that verse, um, but right before that, this is when Jesus had just fed the 5,000 um, with the fish and the loaves of bread. So Jesus just performed a miracle. And the text reads, once when Jesus was praying in private and his disciples were with him, he asked them, who do the crowds say I am? This is post feeding the 5,000. They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others that one of the prophets of long ago has come back to life. But what about you, he asked, who do you say I am? And that question is for the, the disciples. And Peter answered, God's Messiah. Jesus strictly warned them not to tell this to anyone. And he said, the son of man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests and the teachers of the law. And he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Then he said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self? It's no accident that after the miracle of feeding the 5,000, that upon seeing Jesus' miracle, that Peter, probably like me or you, has no doubt who Jesus is. Jesus asked, who do you say I am? And Peter quickly answered, you're God's Messiah. In, in other words, Peter had witnessed a miracle and many miracles in the past, but after this, right in the midst of having experienced this miracle of two little fish and five loaves of bread and feeding all these people and having all this food left over, um, Peter said, you are God's Messiah. I, I know who you are, you know, you know, you that dude that they prophesied about in Isaiah, you know, they said would be born to the Virgin Mary and all of that. You know, that, that's who you are. You know, oh, I know who you are. You know, you, you that dude that helped me walk on water. You know, I've been with you a long time. I, I know who you are. The question is, have you ever been there before? Has Jesus ever performed a miracle in your life or delivered you from a situation where there was no doubt in your mind that you were like, oh, oh, I know who you are. I know who you are. You're the one that delivered me from this. You're the one that showed me so much mercy in this situation or so much grace in that situation. I ask, have you been there before? Maybe you were unemployed and wondering, you know, how you're going to make ends meet and God pulls you through, you know, at the last minute, just in time, like an outright miracle. Yeah, you know who God is in that, in, in that instance. Or how about maybe you have a young family and, and you guys find out that you're going to have an addition to the family, but you're in no financial position to even consider how am I going to afford, you know, welcoming a, a new baby into our lives. And, and God shows you somehow that beyond your, your budget and after putting a bunch of things on spreadsheet and seeing that ends aren't going to meet, but some way, somehow God pulls you through and you have no idea how that happened. In that instance, you'll say to yourself, oh, oh, I know who you are. I know who you are, God. I know exactly who you are. Okay, I got one more for you. 
How about experiencing God in such a powerful way that he removes all bitterness and all pride, all self-righteousness from you, allowing you to humble yourself and to restore a relationship that you refused to consider in the past because it was the other person's fault and they owed you something. Yeah, yeah, another miracle. In that sense, you'll say, yeah, yeah, God, I, I know who you are. So you guys say, what? No, no one can relate? Nobody ever been there before? No? Okay, I got one more for you then. I got one more. Okay, if those things seem foreign to you, maybe this one might be more relatable. How about being the guy that, you know, as a young kid, you know, maybe you attended several revivals and you watched Ernest Angley and all these televangelists, you know, on TV, and you, 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 you saw people like get saved and crippled people walk, you know, and people get filled with the Spirit or slain with the Spirit. And, and all the while, although you were saved, you looked at them and said, that is such an act, you know, that's not the way to win people to Christ, you know. And then one day you go to a church conference and something at the urging of the Holy Spirit, it says, go down and, and, and you know, have the pastor pray for you and he prays for you and you fall flat on your back and you get taken to a place that you've never been before that's so peaceful, that's so serene, that's so comfortable that you just long to, to get there again for the rest of your life. That's never happened to you? No? Okay, well, you know what? Maybe, maybe that's not your story. You know, more than likely, none of that applies to you. But let me tell you something. All of those are my story. All of those are my story. I've lived all of those. All of, all of those things happened to me in my doubt, you know, in my selfishness, and all the things that, that, that I've, I'm, all the ways I'm supposed to be living, God showed himself strong in each and every instance to deliver me and to show me, to allow me to experience him in, uh, him in such a way that there was no doubt in my mind. I said, like Peter, you are God's Messiah. I know who you are. This is no mistake. I see you in a way and have experienced you in a way that I, I never have before. So there should be no doubt in my mind going forward who you are. And I can fully surrender you and put my entire trust in you for the rest of my life. Right? That's how easy it is. We experience it. We know it. He delivers us. And we're good to go from that day forward. Right? Just like Peter. Right? That's, that, that's how life is. That's just how life just you know, goes down. We all have these Peter moments in life, you know, that after experiencing a miracle, after being delivered from an adverse situation, you know, after, you know, some miraculous provision in our lives, we say, oh, we know who you are. We know who you are, God. Praise God. Praise God. Peter knows exactly who Jesus is in this moment. And right after that, Jesus says, if you, if anyone would come after me, this is to all the disciples. There are three things he talks about. You must deny yourself. You must take up your cross daily and you must follow me. As if to say, Peter, now that you're on this spiritual high, because you just witnessed a miracle, because I came through for you and have shown myself to you strong, yeah, you know who I am. But how do you maintain that? It's easy, you know, in the times when we experience God. Very easy to know who God is, to be totally surrendered to him. But guess, guess what you have to do if you want to maintain that? Jesus says you need to deny yourself. You need to take up your cross daily, and you need to follow me. The second area I want to look at uh, with, with Peter is in his denial of Christ. So if you recall, Jesus predicted that as well. Uh, 
in John 13, uh, 33 through 38, and I'll just read. It says, my children, I will be with you only a little longer. You will look for me, and just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now. Where I am going, you cannot come. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so must you love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So Peter asked Jesus, Lord, where are you going? Jesus replied, where I am going, you cannot follow, but you will follow later. Peter asked, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Peter said, I will lay down my life for you. And Jesus answered, will you really? Will you really lay down your life for me? Very truly, I tell you, before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. So again, in Peter's spiritual moment, he was sold out for Christ. He had seen a miracle. He, he knew who Jesus was, professed it to everybody, you're God's Messiah. And then he said, I'm sold out for you, God. I'm sold out for you. So right before Jesus went into that, you know, love soliloquy, telling us that we need to, you know, love, love people as he had loved us, you know, there's a, an interesting thing that happened. He had just washed his disciples' feet. So the text says that when he had finished washing their feet, that he put on clothes and returned to his place. And he asked them, do you understand what I have done? And he said, you know, you call me teacher, Lord, and rightfully so. But now that I, Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should do that, you know, for one another. That he has set the example for us to do exactly as he had done, you know, in, in serving people and watching people's feet. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Likewise, in our, like Peter, in our spiritual moments, we become sold out for Christ. When Christ has moved us in such a powerful way or shared something very powerful with us, we become sold out, sold out for him. In this case, it was watching, you know, he washed Peter's feet, you know, and if you recall, Peter said, well, oh, you know, if, 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 you, if you have to wash my feet, you know, I'm not going to let you wash my feet. And Christ said, well, now nah, you want me to wash your feet. You know, you can't be a part of me unless I wash your feet. And Peter says, oh, in that case, you know, I want you to wash my whole body. Just, just do it all, you know, if I'm going to be a part of you because he sold out for Christ. I was teaching a class at, at this church in 2001 called Master Life. My whole experience of being sold out for God happened as a result of this class. So this class, Master Life, teaches about four disciplines that in order to be a, it's a discipleship course, in order to be a disciple for Christ, it tells you to focus on four disciplines. Two of them are on the vertical axis. It's about your relationship with God. And it's prayer and living in the word, or prayer and reading the Bible. I would venture to say that for everyone that calls themselves a Christian, you probably pray some, you probably read the Bible some, but that's a relationship that's with God. And I think we're very comfortable in that relationship, at least some of us are, there's room for growth in all areas. But on the other axis, the horizontal axis, if you can picture a cross, the two disciplines are fellowshipping and witnessing to other people, you know, through our lives, sharing the gospel with other people, that kind of stuff. 
On this Tuesday night in our Master Life class, we had gone through the study, and at the end of the class, I asked, I said, um, for everybody in the class, of these areas of fellowshipping and witnessing and praying and, and, and reading the Bible, which area are you struggling in? And every single person in that class said, it's really kind of sharing the gospel or witnessing and showing, you know, God's love through my life. And interestingly enough, that's exactly where I was. My prayer life was pretty strong. I was into the word pretty, pretty strong, pretty consistently. I love fellowshipping with people. But, you know, was I really representing Christ, you know, and did I see opportunities to share the gospel and just neglect it for whatever reason? So that was Tuesday night. We went to class. We stopped. At the end of the class, we prayed about it. You know, we gathered around, we held hands, we prayed about it, that God would present us opportunities to share, you know, the gospel because we knew that was his will for our lives. Wednesday morning, as is my habit, I'm, I'm up really early till this day, uh, and I go to, go to the gym and work out. Went to the gym, and I had a, you know, group of guys that we lifted weights with, and after working out, we're actually sitting in the hot tub, and we're talking, and the Spirit came upon me to say, like, Gary, you really need to find out where each of your buddies is with Christ. You need to do it. This is opportunity. You just prayed about it last night. It was so clear to me. And so we're over there doing what guys do, talking about a million different things. And so I started saying something. And one of my buddies, Byron, said, uh, hold up, hold up, G. You know, let me finish. So he finished. And he came back to me and said, hey, G, what do you have to say? And I said, oh, nothing. Nah, I ain't got nothing to say. Anyway, we were leaving that day. A friend of mine, Derek, part of the group that was in the hot tub, said, gee, I'm not going to be here tomorrow. I'm not going to see you on Thursday. But on Friday, you know, we'll hook up, you know, uh, do the workout thing, play ball, whatever. I said, all right, Derek, see you then. Friday morning, show up at the gym. I'm a little late. Uh, Derek's on the basketball court. We're playing, and he's playing. And I signed the list to get on the court next. Right before my eyes, Derek walks off the court, sits on the bench, and just falls over. And I kid you not, I knew in my spirit right there that Derek was dead. And I started crying right away. And we called 911, so on and so forth. Long story short, they whisked him off to, to the emergency room. A uh, couple hours later, word came in that Derek was dead. In that moment, I felt so bad, so convicted, you know, God, you gave me an opportunity, this was my chance, because I, I mean, the, the, the truth of the matter is, I didn't know where Derek was with the Lord. So, feeling very guilty, later on that day, I was meeting a friend uh, for lunch, and uh, uh, went to work, just very subdued. But I was convinced that, okay, I'm meeting a friend for lunch. I don't know where he is with the Lord. I'm going to share the, you know, share the gospel with him. Get to the restaurant. Uh, what's up? You know, blah, blah, blah. There's a couple sitting in the booth right across from us. And before I could even start talking, same thing happened that happened at the gym. The guy just lays over, boom. I'm like, wait a minute. And the lady starts, you know, panicking, call 911. I have no idea what happened to that guy, but I know the, the medics came in, whisked him off. But at that point, 
I literally sat in the chair and, and said, I got it, Lord. I got it. And I shared, I shared with my buddy that morning. And in the weeks and months after this uh, episode, I shared with more people. I shared the gospel with more people. I gave out more Bibles. I did everything because it was such a, an experience. I did everything that I probably should be doing every day of my life. But God, I experienced God, and he spoke to me in such a way, just like Peter, that I was sold out for Christ in those moments. Yes, and I said it because it's the truth, and the truth will set me free. The question is, why does it take that? Why does it take that experience? Why does it take that for, for us to do what God has called us to do every day of our lives? And I'll submit to you is because we're not denying ourselves, we're not taking up, up our cross daily, and we're not following Jesus. Before, before our final day on earth, I want it to be all our testimony that we can say, you know, I, I gave it my best shot. I was plugged into what God wants me to do. I was, you know, I'm just, I'm just sold out for him. Now, that's all fine and good, but let's be realistic, right? We're all human, right? There are going to be ebbs and flows, you know, pluses and minuses, good and bad, and all that's going to be mixed into our lives. But I really believe that there are going to be instances in our lives, and if not daily, weekly, monthly. There are going to be instances in our lives that if we are attuned to what God is telling us, that we will seize the opportunity and that we will share with others and, and just show, just represent Christ a lot better than we probably do today. The third area I want to talk about is when Jesus was arrested and as Peter uh, denied Jesus. So in John chapter 18, and let me find that. I'm going to read, read some scripture here. But in John chapter 18, that's where all of this kind of works out, plays itself out. And Peter denies Jesus. Jesus predicts that Peter will deny him. And, you know, Peter denies him. And then they, uh, uh, let's see how Peter acts in these moments. It says, like, when he had finished praying, Jesus left with his disciples and crossed the Kidron Valley. On the other side, there was a, an olive grove, and he and his disciples went into it. Now Judas, who betrayed him, knew the place because Jesus had often met there with his disciples. So Judas came to the grove, guiding a detachment of soldiers and some officials from the chief priests and Pharisees. They were carrying torches, lanterns, and weapons. Jesus, knowing that all that was going to happen, went out and asked them, who is it that you want? Jesus of Nazareth, they, they replied. I am he, Jesus said, and Judas... The traitor was standing there with them. When Jesus said, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. Again, he asked them, who is it you, that you want? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. I told you that I am he, Jesus answered. If you are looking for me, uh, then let these men go. This happened so that the words he had spoken would be fulfilled. I have not lost one of those you gave me. Then Simon Peter, who had a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant, cutting off his ear. Jesus commanded Peter, put your sword away. Shall I, not, shall I not drink the cup the Father has given me? Peter's first denial. Simon Peter and another disciple were following Jesus. Because the disciple was known to the high priest, he went, 
He went with Jesus into the high priest's courtyard, but Peter had to wait outside of the door. The other disciple, who was known as a, to the high priest, came back, spoke to the girl on duty there, and brought Peter in. You are not one of his disciples, are you? The girl at the door asked Peter. Peter replied, I am not. It was cold, and the servants and officials stood around, stood around a fire they had made to, to keep warm. Peter also was standing with them, warming himself. I'm going to jump to Peter's second and third denials, starting in verse 25 in John chapter 18. As Simon Peter stood warming himself, he was asked, You are not one of the disciples, are you? He denied it, saying, I am not. One of the high priest's servants, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, challenged him. Didn't I see you with him in the olive grove? Again, Peter denied it. And at that moment, a rooster began to crow. Folks, whether we know it or not, we are always being watched. If not by others, which many times we are, certainly by God. Peter had three chances to do the right thing, to stand up for God. Now, we all know this had to be prophecy that was fulfilled, but let's put ourselves in Peter's shoes. We know who God is. God's performed miracles in our lives. We've experienced them in ways that we become sold out for him. But when the rubber meets the road and that an adversity springs its ugly head up, where are we with God then? When there's something that we have to risk, be it our reputation, our pride, our money, whatever it is, where are we? There's so many times when we justify our denial of Christ for whatever reason, and sometimes even using the word of God to deny Jesus. I ask you, when someone is being mistreated and you stand idly by, are you denying Christ? That situation is asking us, aren't you one of his disciples like Peter? Aren't you one of, aren't you one of them? Weren't you with him? And our actions or inactions answers the question, I am not. What about when we're involved in a conflict and our pride prevents us from doing what we know is right? We know what we ought to do. We know we ought to seek reconciliation with somebody that we've lost touch with or that we're at odds with. We know we ought to apologize because we were in a, you know, a dispute and we acted out of character. You call the guy that almost ended your life a bunch of names, you know, because you were caught up in yourself. What about not extending an olive branch, you know, to restore a fractured relationship? Are we denying Jesus then? Is that situation asking us, aren't you with him? Aren't you one of them? Don't you represent this man they call Jesus who gave his life for everybody? And our actions or inactions or our silence or maybe even our speech is saying, I am not. You know what? They were wrong. They got it coming to them. They get what they deserve. What about when we put our well-being or our security or our prosperity, uh, you know, above everything else, you know, at the expense of others, you know, stomping on people, you know, keeping them down so that we can, you know, get to wherever our aspirations want us to be. Are we denying Christ then? 
Is that situation asking us, aren't you one of them? Aren't you one of his disciples? Didn't we see him or see you with him? And we answer by our actions. We say, I am not. What about when we see an obvious need, you know, out there in this vast, you know, uh, a world, and we refuse to meet that need, you know, because we're concerned that, oh, that's going to take me off of my retirement plan. Or, oh, uh, you know, I don't have the time, you know, to spare 10 minutes or 15 minutes, you know, to help somebody who's in an obvious need, you know, or because we're, we're just more committed, you know, to, um, to being who we want to be then we are committed to who Christ has called us to be. You know, that we're not representing Christ as, you know, as Christ, you know, uh, represented himself to the disenfranchised, to the orphans, to those who are less than. You know, are we denying Jesus in those moments? Are those situations asking us, you know, are, are you with me? Are you with me? And many times we answer, Jesus, I am not. Here's a good one. What about when we seek revenge or try to administer our own form of justice, you know, because somebody, you know, did wrong to us, you know? Um, when we hold grudges against a, a brother or sister, we refuse to accept responsibility for anything, you know, when it is always somebody else's fault, when we're always right. Are we denying Jesus in those moments? Are those moments asking us, you know, Gary, you know, are you with me? Do you represent me? Are you surrendered to me? And many times, based on my actions, based on what I do, my answer to Jesus is, I'm not. I don't know you. I don't know you. You see, it's so easy in the, you know, the, the, the comfort moments of life, just like Peter, to say, like, I know Jesus. I'm sold out for Jesus. When everything is good, it's so easy, you know, to be that person. Many of you probably don't know who New Edition is. Maybe some of the younger folks know. There you go, Sarah. Okay. <laughs> well, back in the day, New Edition had a, had a song called Can You Stand the Rain? And a lyric to the song said, Sunny days, everybody loves them. But tell me, can you stand the rain? Because you see, it's in the rain of life, right? It's in the rain, the adversity. It's, it's those moments, you know, that, that we can't anticipate, right? That we find ourselves in. And those are the very moments that we should stand up and represent Jesus so that we can show his love. We can show that he's different, that we're set apart, right? So that people can be drawn onto him for his glory. But it's those very moments that we are, are most vulnerable and that the flesh comes jumping out. And that's what we tell the world, I don't know Jesus. I don't know who you are. I'm not sold out for you. I don't know who you are because it's more all about me. So how, brothers and sisters, how do we get to that point where we can recognize those situations and that we can represent Jesus better? Again, I'll go to what it said in Luke. We need to deny ourselves. We need to take up the cross daily, and we need to follow him. Much easier said than done. I'll share a prayer with you guys that I say every single morning before I leave, I leave to go to the gym. And this has become habit. I received this prayer several years ago uh, after attending a 
birthday party of somebody, um, like a milestone birthday, maybe it was a friend of my mom's 75th birthday or something along those lines, and they handed out these little prayer sheets. And part of my routine, in order for me, and I'm still nowhere near there, for me to be able to recognize those situations and to be able to better represent God, I say this prayer every single day before I leave home. And the prayer says, this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Oh Lord, for another day, for another morning, for another hour, for another minute, for another chance to live and serve thee, I am truly grateful. Do thou this day free me from all fear of the future, from all anxiety about tomorrow, from all bitterness towards anyone, from all cowardice in the face of danger, from all laziness in the face of work, from all failure before opportunity, and from all weakness when thy power is at hand. But fill me with love that knows no barrier, with sympathy that reaches to all, with courage that cannot be shaken, with faith strong enough for the darkness, with strength sufficient for my task, with loyalty to thy kingdom's goal, with wisdom to meet life's complexities, and with power to lift me to thee. Be with me for another day and use me as you will. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. What that prayer has done for me personally is to be very keen on the situations I'm to encounter that day, be it at the gym, be it at work, in interactions with people. The goal of that prayer for me is God, whatever you have in store for me today, whatever adversity I may face, whatever I may not see, that may shock me, that's coming my way, equip me to handle it in a way that I can represent you and that you would be proud of me. So that's kind of helped me. That's, that prayer is taking up my cross daily, is trying to bear the burdens of others, is trying to figure out where can I fit into this whole scheme of, you know, trying to show the love of God through my daily living. So here's the truth. We're called to be ambassadors for Christ. We know, if you think about this as, a, as an envoy or in diplomatic terms, an ambassador is one that represents, you know, a person, a country, a cause, okay, so that that person, country, cause is seen in favorable terms to the masses. Would you agree? That's what an ambassador is. We're an ambassador for Christ. I have another scripture I'll put up here, and I'm going to close here in a second. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5, 16 through 20. Uh, there it is. It's up there. And I'll read. It says, so from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. 
All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sin against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God was making his appeal through us. That verse has spoken to me over the years in so many ways. In all my interactions with everybody on a daily basis, in all my, you know, whether it's with wife and kids, parents, family, strangers, friends, inner circle, I'm an ambassador for Christ. What, how can I represent Christ? How can I represent him in all those interactions? Not because Gary wants to be, you know, seen as, you know, some goody two-shoes or holier than thou, but so that the cause of Jesus can be furthered and so that others may be able to see his love, experience his love, and be drawn closer onto him. So a road rage incident led me to self-evaluate my life as it flashed right before my eyes. I want to challenge everyone in here today, people out on the live stream, I want to challenge you to not only ask yourself the same questions that I ask, am I, you know, how am I living for Jesus, am I representing Jesus, you know, evaluate how you're doing on this whole scale of, uh, you know, where you are, you know, in your walk with God. I want to challenge you today to ask yourself those questions and to embark or continue on this journey with me, starting today to be the light that Jesus has caused us to be, that he's called, called us to be, and to impact our little slice of the world for the kingdom of God in our daily walk with him. Because my prayer for you, for me, for all those that we come, come in contact with, my prayer is that at the end of the day, at the end of our lives, that through how we've honored Christ with our lives, through how we've represented him, through how we've impacted other people, you know, by showing them the love of God, that we all were here, that we all were here. Well done, my good and faithful servant. One more verse that I want to put up here is that is John 18.36. And this one is simply meant to, to kind of confirm that Jesus, Jesus, you know, this, this life that we've elected to live, we're supposed to be different. We, we, we're, not, we're not like everybody else. Why? Because Jesus was different. In this verse, Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place. In other words, what Jesus is saying is, I have the power, the means, the resources, and maybe even the right to prevent this unlawful arrest, unjustified trial from happening, but this is not what I'm about. This is not what I'm about. Just because I have the power, the means, maybe even the right, that's not what I do. That's what everybody else does. That's what the world does. The world says, Look, oh, I am right. I have, you know, I'm, I'm perfectly within my rights to do this because they're doing everything wrong. 
That's not what Jesus calls us to do. He says, but now my kingdom is from another place. In other words, I'm different. I don't think like you think. You know, I don't do like you do. I'm different. My kingdom is different. I have to show the world how it is done. Jesus denied himself. He took up his cross and he did what God called him to do. He followed the word of the Father. Likewise, we are different. The kingdom we belong to is different. We have to show the world how it is done through our daily living, through our interactions with others. And it's through that love, it's through that humility, it's through that denial of self that the love of God will be shown to everybody that we come in contact with. Let us pray. Father God, we just thank you. Father, for sending Jesus to show us the way. We thank you, Father, that Jesus wasn't a God of only words, Father, but of actions. Lord, my prayer is that each and every one of us today, Father, especially those that call themselves Christian, that belong to the family of God. We pray, God, that we would do a self-evaluation. That, Lord, that you would speak to us through that self-evaluation, Father, and you would just reveal areas of our lives, Father, where we're just not totally surrendered to you, Lord. Humble us, God. Show us the ways of Jesus, Father. Help those be ingrained upon our hearts, our minds, and in our soul, Father. That when those moments of adversity, of conflict hit, Lord, that we're well equipped to respond in a way that you would be proud of. Lord God, I just speak against all pride right now. All selfishness, Lord. And God, that our sole mission would be to represent you as an ambassador and to hear those words at the end of our lives. Well done, my good and faithful servant. In Jesus' name, amen.